It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this June 26th as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Gone versus Volkov, which will take place in the matter of hours. Uh, always, As always, uh, great to be back with you guys. Um, a lot going on. A lot going on. Uh, we did not do the recap for uh, the Korean Zombie and uh, Ige. I want to touch on that uh, just just for a second. Uh, also, uh, I was watching Bellator watching Bellator last night uh, and that just furthered the reason why I, I don't ever watch Bellator uh, I, I suppose my Bellator bit is uh, pretty short so I guess we'll we'll uh, open up here with uh, Bellator so um, I was watching Bellator last night it was the the interim heavyweight uh, championship uh, between Tim Johnson and uh, some Russian guy Moldovsky or whatever whatever his name is largely boring fight uh, for the most part not because of Tim Johnson Shout out to Tim Johnson, Lamberton, Minnesota's own. Uh, you know, obviously as a Minnesota-related uh, company. You know, we uh, we love our Minnesotans. Uh, I completely disagree with the scores of 50-45. Whoever was scoring at 50-45 is clearly an avid crack smoker, in my opinion. Um, I, I probably would have given it to Moldovsky, uh, 48-47. But two of those rounds, I think you got to give Tim Johnson. He was the one. Uh, making things happen. Um, yeah, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say on that. That's a, actually a pretty cool score, story uh, about Tim Johnson that I would encourage my listeners uh, to, to look up. But uh, the gist of it is uh, not a very good fighter getting knocked out by like Junior Albini, cut from the UFC, goes 0 2 for his first Bellator fights, three fight winning streak. Uh, you know, derails some, some pretty hyped prospects like, the, um, like Tyrell Fortune. And then uh, worked his way to a, a title shot. So, you know, I, I think his stock still still went up, even though he lost. You know, Bellator takes care of heavyweights if if they do anything outside of you know having name brands fight cans, which is actually kind of a smart move if you're someone like Bellator, because look at what happens uh, with like Anthony Pettis and the PFL. He he just lost some unnamed guy. So you know, UFC wins again when the UFC cuts you. Uh, they cut you for a reason. The, nobody's ever been cut from the UFC and then gone on to do great things. That's just not how shit works. You know what I mean? They, they're the best in the world, so they know, they know if you can compete or not. Um, but yeah, Bellator, holy smokes. I've known this for a while, but it's just, man, you have a fight, and even if it goes the, the full 15 minutes, like I don't, I, I'd love to look at their dock it or whatever and, and like figure out their schedule because like the the UFC like they'll have like uh 30 minute chunks or, or or whatever because you know you have to assume that every fight goes 15 minutes even though it won't and and whatever like there's there's certain things you have to do for like tv obligations but with Bellator you'll have like a boring 15 minute fight and then 45 minutes of just nothing they don't send it back to the desk, which they, they used to do a lot more often. Uh, I, I'm not an avid Bellator fan, so maybe they still do that. I'm just not, to, not watching the right shows. But they used to send it back to the desk, which was still boring as shit because I just want to watch fights. I don't want to see, I don't want to have 15 minutes of fighting and then 30 minutes of desk time. But I'd take 30 minutes of desk time over 30 minutes of just rerunning old Bellator highlight tapes. Like, holy shit, there's a reason why Bellator, you know, fucking sucks and does nothing. But, yeah, that, uh, boy, won't be, I will not be tuning into Bellator anytime soon. Uh, not, that, not that they'll miss, actually, they will miss my, my view because they're not, uh, they're not, business is not exactly booming over at uh, Bellator uh, compared to, you know, how it should go at the UFC. But whatever, there's a reason we're doing a UFC preview, not a Bellator uh, preview or recap. So, um yeah, that's all I have to say for uh, other promotions. Obviously, it's the uh, opening round of the Bouse Cup playoffs. 
Um, so that's very exciting. We, uh, you know, uh, released the bracket, I want to say like six days ago. Um, I'm still waiting to get picks in from everybody. I can just promise to you right now that that bracket is incorrect. I absolutely f- fucking guarantee everything I have. I guarantee this company that at, le- at least one person will not get their picks in. I just know that for a fact. My picks are in. Quincy's picks are in. Uh, uh, Captain's picks are in. Uh, let's see here. I know Drew is good for his picks. Reagan's probably good for his picks. But uh, Jordan, I would just assume Jordan's out. But we put him in because he qualified. He had enough points to get in the tournament. And uh, Peyton, I mean, that's on Drew. And he just he just texted me. So maybe uh, maybe he, he did get those guys' picks. But uh, either way, I, I probably would say we're not going to have the complete bracket, which is fine. But, you know, it's a monumentous, uh, monumental moment. Uh, actually, both might have worked. Uh, either way, it's a massive moment for North Star Sports. And, um, yeah, that's going to be very, very exciting. i got to figure out what to do with the losers, though, because, you know, the people who lose in the opening round, I guess we just do a complete tournament. And then, I don't know, like, we actually go one through eight, I guess, because what are they going to do? You know, I don't want people missing weeks of uh, the main card showdown, so... I don't know. Maybe we'll do like a loser's bracket too for nothing. I mean, you don't get anything for that. But uh, yeah, it reminds me. Shit, I still got to make a trophy for uh, for that. I don't know if I'm going to buy one or just make one. But uh, yeah, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. All right. Now that we've killed an uh, ample amount of time here, let's uh, let's get right into the preview here. Uh, it's a pretty big card. Got 13 fights on it. We'll start here with the prelim opener. It's going to be a fight in the lightweight division between Yancey Medeiros and Demir Hadzovic. Medeiros is 15 and 7. Hadzovic is 13 and 6. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here coming from Odds Shark. I suppose we'll use. People seem to like Bovada, so we'll use, we'll use Bovada odds. Uh, Hadzovic is actually going to be the minus 150 favorite uh, in this one. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'd go that far. Honestly, it's, it's kind of a pickup. Uh, a pick 'em for me. I mean, these are two guys who uh, have been in the UFC for uh, for for a handful of years. Uh, more so, Maderas. I mean, he's been here for a while. I mean, he's headlined uh, fight nights. Um, I don't know. Very fair matchmaking. I mean, just not the prettiest records. Not the tallest guys for for 155 either. Maderas is obviously going to have a massive uh, reach advantage. Uh, Hadzovic coming off of two straight losses. He last fought. Uh, in March of 2020, he got choked out by <laughs> choked out boy uh, choked out by Hanato uh, Moicano, who we'll talk about uh, in, in a few minutes. Uh, that was kind of a funny loss because he he uh, I guess protested the loss. I mean, he accepted the loss but protested it because uh, he wanted the fight to go longer. But if he wanted the fight to go longer, then don't get choked out. I mean, he's kind of blaming uh, fuck old boy Hanato uh, Moicano. And uh, Medeiros, obviously, you know, has seen better days because, you know, he, he had headlined uh, UFC events before on a three-fight losing streak. I think Medeiros, I think Medeiros gets it done. Uh, you know, I, either way, you know, nothing's going to look pretty. There's, there's really nothing you could say that would make you want to pick one fighter over the other because um, they're both on pretty, pretty brutal losing streaks on top of records that are not very great, but... Uh, I, I think Medeiros is probably the better striker. He's gonna have to watch out for the power of uh, Demir Hadzovic, but uh, I, I think he uh, I think he gets it done. Um, has one of the worst uh, significant strikes absorbed. Actually, fuck that. Now that I see those stats, fuck that. He's got 6.1 significant strikes absorbed per minute. Hadzovic 2.9. Holy shit! I've never I've never seen a gap that big. Fuck it. We're going Demir Hadzovic. Pulling a full 180 here. Let's go. Let's go, Hodzvich. You know, I thought it, I said it was a, a pick'em, but holy shit, yeah, <laughs> that's not good. Takes a lot of punches to the head. All right, let's move on here uh, to the featherweight division. We have a fight here between Charles Rosa and Justin Janes. Rosa is 13 and five. Janes is 16 and seven. Take a look at the odds here, and Charles Rosa is going to be the minus 165 favorite. 
Uh, again, pretty fair matchmaking. I can't uh, I can't disagree uh, with this one. Obviously, Charles Rosa. Um, he, he's been around for uh, quite some time. Had that long break, but now he's uh, starting to be uh, a more active fighter. Uh, he, he did not fight at all uh, in, in the second half of 2017, 2018, or most of 2019, but squeezed one in against Bermudez. Uh, and just kind of been flip-flopping wins and losses since uh, 2014. So, you know, if you go by... Uh, if you go by that logic, he's due for a win here, which I take seriously. I, t- I take that seriously, stuff like that. You know, that's a pattern you can gleam. Um, but Justin Janes, um, kind of an unpredictable uh, career trajectory to, to this point. Um, not a highly touted prospect at all. He came in uh, short notice uh, against Frank Camacho. Um I think the reason he got that fight, I think he's based out of Vegas. Uh, yeah, Extreme Couture. So he's based out of Vegas, short notice, knocked out Frank Camacho in 41 seconds. So just a stellar debut. And then he's been finished in each of his uh, next three fights. So he got choked out by Gavin Tucker. That was a pretty good fight, too. And, and this is a tough guy, too, uh, uh, Justin Janes. So this, this is a guy who can take punishment. Uh, got knocked out uh, from Gabriel Bernitez, and then got knocked out, uh, well, doctor stoppage, uh, eye injury, uh, had, had his uh, eye blow up. He might have had the, um, might have been a slightly different injury, or, but I, I think it was the same injury that uh, happened to um, Cowboy Cerrone when he fought uh, uh, Tony Ferguson, where his eye just kind of blew up. Um, so I, I'm not, uh, fractured orbital, I guess. I don't really, uh, I don't really know what that's all about. But uh, yeah, he's really just been chasing the high of that uh, of that uh, first win, and uh, he's also betting on himself quite literally. Uh, he, I remember reading a, a story a couple days ago where he's going to bet his entire uh, uh, show bonus or whatever uh, show money uh, that that he's going to win the fight. So that's fucking bold. I didn't even know you could do that. I would have figured that was uh, illegal. Uh, it might be illegal. I didn't look into the. Uh, legality of that, but that's uh, that's tough because if somebody's willing to, and I don't know how much money he's making, you know what I mean. If you're one in three, if he loses and it's a four fight losing streak, 100% he's going to get cut. There's no way he doesn't get cut if he loses. I'm going to take a chance on Justin James. If if he if he's dead serious about, and let's just say it's twenty five thousand dollars, which is probably what he's he's getting. Um, if he's going to bet $25,000 and his fucking job that he's going to win, I kind of feel like he's going to win. You know what I mean? He's not going up against a world beater in Charles Rosa. Charles Rosa's a fine fighter. Nothing nothing wrong with him. You know what I mean? But he's, he's not a ranked fighter. So, you know, I don't know. He doesn't have a reach advantage. He's a little bit taller. That doesn't really matter. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not really... Uh, a finisher on the feet. He does have a lot of submissions, which is something to, to look out for. But if you look at the the losses for uh, Justin Janes, he's only ever been finished once by submission, and that was against Gavin Tucker. And really, that was a submission that was kind of put on from you know getting punched repeatedly. So you really could say the striking led to the to the uh, submission. So I don't know, Justin Janes. He's got a little bit of power, and if he's gonna bet his entire fucking livelihood that he wins yeah i'll go justin james why not i don't, I don't care let's go let's go uh, justin james on this one um by decision i'm gonna go by decision because charles russell is pretty hard to pretty hard to finish so justin james by decision all right moving on here uh in the women's bantamweight division we'll have a fight here between julia avila and Julia Stoliarenko. Avila is 8-2. and two. Stoliarenko is 9-4-1. and one. We'll take a look at the uh, updated North Star Sports rankings. Uh, and we'll see if either of these fighters are ranked. I know Avila is. And she's going to be at 13. Stoliarenko is uh, unranked. So a pretty, uh, pretty good uh, opportunity here for Stoliarenko to try to climb up the old, uh, the old ladder here. But uh, unfortunately for her, she's... Uh, going to be the uh, plus 270 underdog, so Avila is going to be the minus 360 uh, favorite. Um, I would be very hesitant 
In fact, again, I say this all the time, but uh, if it ever changes in Minnesota or if I ever move, uh, man, I'd love to put money on the UFC because I would love to put a, I'd, I'd love to put a little bit of Skrilla on uh, Stoliarenko on this one. Anytime I see, now I don't know what the reason is. I don't know what the reason is, and I'm not going to speculate as to what the reason is. But when you see unranked female fights, uh, or even like lower third uh, of the ranking female fights, and you see massive odds, and whatever, this is true of all all MMA. Anybody can win. Everybody has a puncher's chance, and it's more than just a cliche. It's you know we, we've seen we've seen crazy upsets, but like. Why is Julia Avila the minus 360 favorite? Like, that is just fucking massive. And I understand, you know, they set the line and then the line moves because of, you know, how people are betting. So maybe it didn't start out. I don't have the history of the line in front of me. Maybe it started out at minus 250 and then, you know, a lot of money came in and, you know, you changed the odds and whatnot. So I understand it's not, it's not God making the odds here and telling you what the odds literally actually are. It's, you know, people hypothesizing what the odds are based on, you know, a variety of factors. But that's fucking insane. Like, I, that's... No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a massive discrepancy. And we've seen, you know, Maria Agapova lose to, to Dobson. Like, for whatever the reason is, there's so much parity uh, that I've noticed, specifically in these female divisions. But again, I hate to, I hate to qualify myself. Obviously, it happens in every division. Um, but, man, yeah. Like I, So you, you're saying that Avila's the, almost a 4-to-1 favorite? Ooh, I I wouldn't bet money on that. I'm gonna pick Avila to win because I like what I've seen from her, but I, I'm not that confident that she's uh, that she's gonna win. Uh, she lost her last fight against Sajara Eubanks, who I don't think is um, I don't think is that amazing of a of a fighter. Um, but you know, obviously, uh, a fighter that belongs in in the UFC. And then for Stoliarenko, she was uh, on. Uh, the ultimate fighter, uh, heavy hitter. So, she, you know, she's down 10 pounds from, uh, you know, kind of where she got her, uh, her fame kind of coming into her prime at 28, probably entered the UFC a little bit young is coming off of a loss to uh, Yana Kunitskaya, who's ranked pretty significantly higher than Julia Avila. I mean, she's probably ranked, you know, eight or nine. Um, man, I don't know. That's tough. I, you know, I, I'm a natural contrarian, so I kind of want to go with Julia Stoliarenko, but you know the numbers on her are not uh, are not not very good. She does have fairly okay takedown defense at at 66%, but uh, uh, for someone who uh, has a takedown accuracy of 50%, that's kind of kind of negligible. So uh, I will go Julia Avila. Uh, I don't predict the finish in this fight, so I'll say um, by uh, unanimous decision. Or you never know, maybe by split decision. I mean, that's the fun of uh, UFC cards, is like twice a year, we just get whack judges. So you never know when that card is happening. You know what I mean? Like, twice a year, you get a UFC 247, where like, boy, we learn early on that the judges are fucking insane. And I know that that's terrible, and I know that that fucks up people's careers, but I kind of like it sometimes. If I'm being honest... You know what I mean? Because, I don't know, drama's just fun, I guess. I don't know. All right, moving on. Still uh, still well on the prelims here. Massive prelim card. Uh, we have a light heavyweight fight between Marcin Prochnio and Ike Villanueva. Prochnio is 14-5. and five. Villanueva is 18-11. and 11. We'll take a look at the odds. And Prochnio is going to be the minus 210 favorite, uh, according to uh, Bovada. Um, again, the UFC is just killing it with these match, uh, with the matchmaking on this card, and I understand that these are not uh, not ranked fighters, um, but still, I love this. You know, two guys that uh, didn't have the greatest start to their UFC careers, but uh, are very powerful and you know, riding uh, uh, well, I win streak. They you know they, they they both have a win in their last fight. I guess a one fight win streak. Um, but yeah, Prochnio. Um, did not like him. Did not like him. Not for anything personal, but just he got knocked out in the first round for his, each of his first first three fights. Like holy shit! I'm surprised he didn't get cut. To be honest, that's actually amazing. He didn't get cut. And um, yeah, I mean, for for you to be a UFC newcomer 
and get knocked out in the first round, that's not good. And I'm sure his stats are very bad because, you know, you got three knockout losses, uh, you know, in there. And then he has a unanimous decision victory over Khalil Roundtree, which is a good fight, back and, back and forth fight. He did have Khalil Roundtree hurt. Um, I want to pull up MMA decisions because uh, Prochnio did not win this fight. Uh, that's just a fact. Um, it was a close fight. It was a good effort. Maybe it was even an effort that um, warranted him coming back. But there's no fucking way. Um, okay, most of the ju- most of the judges scored at 29-28 for Prochnio. About, uh, we'll say 12 to 14 judges scored it for Prochnio. Five scored it for Roundtree. I think that's fucking insane. I think Roundtree run, won that fight. I think he got robbed. I don't know what they were scoring. I don't know what criteria they were looking at, but that's fucking insane. Um, and then Ike Villanueva, uh, he came to the UFC. He fought at heavyweight and got knocked out uh, in, in his first two fights. Never should have been at heavyweight. You know, just bloated. I don't think he's a true heavyweight. He's a big guy. Don't get me wrong. But he's six foot one. He's not a true heavyweight. Comes down to 205, which I think is his correct weight class, and knocks out Vinicius Maheda uh, in in pretty brutal fashion. So, um, you know, he he's a dog. He's a dog, and he he seems like a really cool guy uh, when they when they interview him. Seems like a real personable uh, family guy. So, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Ike Villanueva. So, uh, that being said, I'm going to pick him to win this fight. And I'm going to go first-round knockout. Villanueva's got power. Prochnia has shown that, you know, he definitely has a liking for getting knocked out in the first round. Uh, I think he should be on a four-fight losing streak. I think Roundtree won that fight. And I don't care what the stats say for Villanueva. You know, he's got three fights. Two of them definitely didn't go his way at a weight class he shouldn't have been at. He eats 8.77 significant strikes per minute. Obviously, that's a very truncated sample size, uh, but that, that that might be the single highest number I've ever seen on the UFC website for that specific category. That is fucking insane, it, at least for more than one fight. I think I saw one fight where it was like 11, but obviously it was, it was only one fight. I take a little sip of uh, coffee there to keep me going. But yeah, I'm going to go Ike Villanueva by first round knockout. All right, moving on here. Uh, in the welterweight division, we'll have a fight here between Warley Alves and Jeremiah Wells. Alves is 14 and 4, Wells is 8 and 2. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here, and they'll have uh, Alves as the minus 230 favorite. Uh, neither of these fighters are ranked. I really don't have a whole lot of uh, opinions on either of these fighters. I know Worley Alves has been in the UFC for uh, for quite some time. Quite some time. Uh, he, he's faced some uh, some interesting uh, opponents. You know, he's got a, he's got interesting losses, which I say a lot with uh, you know with with fighters. Never really something you want to hear. Like, oh wow, you got some good losses, but you know sometimes that's all you have to go on you know he's got losses to James Krause uh, Randy Brown Kamaru Usman Brian Barberina his most notable win he's actually got a couple of notable wins so his first actually fuck he's got three notable wins in a row actually this guy might have been hot shit in 2014-2015 he's got a win over Alan Joban which is a nice win that's a nice win uh, a, a submission victory of Nordine Taleb I think Taleb was an underrated fighter I mean I'm not, I'm not trying to you know, toot his horn too much, but okay, Nordin Taleb, and then a fucking win over Colby Covington. He has a fucking win over Colby Covington. So you know, obviously this was six years ago, but you know, god damn, that's a nice that's a nice victory in hindsight. You know what I mean? Obviously he's a completely different fighter uh, now, but yeah, that's that's a that's a very nice uh, nice win to have. Uh, meanwhile, Jeremiah Wells. Uh, making his promotional debut. He is 34, so, you know, a little on the older side to be uh, debuting. He is absolutely fucking jacked. He's five foot nine at welterweight, so he is just yoked. I don't know how. I, honestly, looking at it, the picture they have for him, I don't know how he makes... I don't know how he makes 171. I don't know how he does it. And I don't know how he's clean. Now, I would never allege anything, and I'm certain, and I'm definitely not 
it's actually more of a compliment to him because surely surely he's been drug tested and surely he's in the USADA pool so if he did anything they'd catch him but he looks like he's juiced to the fucking gills uh, which again it's not an accusation it's more of a compliment that he's I'm assuming he's doing this naturally so you know he, uh, he's 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 got a very good physique, but, you know, physique really doesn't matter that much uh, in MMA. You know, that's uh, largely irrelevant. He's on a two-fight winning streak. I really I really don't know anything about him. So uh, I'll go with the, the proven UFC vet, Worley Alves, on this one. And uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll go by decision. All right, moving on. Still, still on the prelims here. Uh, and still in the welterweight division, uh, we'll have a fight here uh, between Michelle Prezeris and Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, Prezeris is 26 and 3. Rachmanov is 13 and 0. Uh, again, the, the UFC is spot on with with the the matchmaking here. This is a very interesting fight. Two incredibly gaudy records here. I mean, 26 and 3 in MMA in the UFC. Now, again, obviously, a lot of that wasn't in the UFC, but, you know, I don't know. You're really not going to... Those are boxing records, you know what I mean? And we know how they love to, uh, you know, protect their uh, their records in, in boxing. Um, uh, Rachmanov is going to be the very heavy favorite, minus 350 favorite. Um, but this, this is going to be a tough fight. I, I really think this is going to be a tough fight. Now, Rachmanov... Has decent height, good height for for the welterweight division. He's six one. Prezeris is probably the shortest uh, welterweight on the roster. He's five foot six. Uh, Rachmanov is going to have a reach advantage of a foot. He's going to have a foot long reach advantage. Um, I'm clearly going to go with uh, Rachmanov to win this fight, and I'm probably going to go by finish. But I think I think this is going to be a tougher fight than than he probably realizes. Now, the, the reach is going to be massive. Prezeris is not a striker. And even if he wanted to, I don't think he could be. He's so short. Uh, you know, he's, 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 not a stri- he's not a striker. He's going to try to get in close uh, and, uh, you know, clinch you up, put you against the cage, take you down, things like that. Now, Shafkat had a great UFC debut against Cowboy Oliveira, choked him out uh, early on in round one. Uh, it has been an eight-month layoff for uh, Shafkat, would you know, it, he's 26, so, it, you know, it's whatever. Um, Michelle Prezeris, on the other hand, uh, I believe he's coming off of a suspension. I don't think he's fought in, uh, yeah, he hasn't fought since uh, February of 2019. Uh, I believe he got popped for something. No, he, he, he lost that fight to Ishmael Nardiev, who uh, I thought was a, a, a gem, uh, he's no longer in the UFC, and he's losing fights in uh, in Brave. But I, I really liked uh, Ishmael Nardiev. Uh, but this was a guy who had a fucking massive UFC winning streak. I mean, what is this? And he had an eight-fight winning streak. Again, not over the best of competition. You know, he has a loss in there to uh, to Kevin Lee uh, and, and whatnot. But, you know, this is a guy who's been in the UFC since 2013. So... I know Oliveira's been around for a while, but I just don't I don't want to overreact to one victory that Shavkat had and just, you know, say, oh, he's going to dominate Prezeris. I think he wins. I think he maybe gets the finish just because oh, physically there are some gifts that Shavkat has that Prezeris certainly doesn't have. Um, and, you know, the two-year layoff and, you know, if, if he got suspended for two years for steroids, you know, he's probably coming back without, uh, you know, his his good buddy fucking Mr. Needley so uh, I don't know I, I really don't know what to expect from Michelle Prezeris but uh, I know that I know that the uh, the hype train is uh, rolling very quickly on Shafkat Rachmanov so I'm gonna go Rachmanov by I'm gonna go round two knockout round two knockout all right moving on we have finally reached the uh, the main card here uh, six fight yeah, six-fight main card. Uh, and we'll kick it off here in the lightweight division between Hinato Moicano and Jai Herbert. Moicano is 14-4-1. Herbert is 10-2. We'll take a look at the uh, odds here. And actually... Now, wait a minute here, Tapology. 
Tapology might be lying to me here. It says that uh, Danilo Marquez is supposed to take on Kennedy N. I just can't pronounce his last name. Uh, Kennedy. Let's see here on the UFC uh, UFC website here. Now that's interesting. Okay, I guess we have one more prelim. I wonder why it's uh, wonder why it's not on there. Hmm. Okay, never mind. I guess Tapology lied to me. They've never. They've never lied. I'm actually uh, quite hurt, to be honest. Tapology's never, uh, never steered me wrong, but I guess I guess I gotta go with the, uh, with the UFC website. So okay, we got uh, the prelim headliner here between uh, Kennedy, N, I uh, just, Enzechukwu, Kennedy Enzechukwu, and uh, Danilo Marquez. Now Kennedy is eight and one. Marquez is eleven and two. They're both very tall for light heavyweight. Kennedy's six five. Danilo is uh, six six. But Kennedy's going to have a half a foot reach advantage. Um, I don't know. Tough to tough to pick a fight here. Again, I don't really have any strong opinions um, on either of these fighters. Uh, I, I, I didn't think that uh, Danilo Marquez was going to beat, uh, I think, either of the fighters that, that he's fought in the UFC. I think I picked uh, Kadis Ibrahimov to beat him, and then I definitely picked Mike Rodriguez to beat him. So uh, I guess I'll go with Marquez just because he proved me wrong. Uh, now, typically when I do stuff like that, it goes against me, so that probably means Kennedy, Kennedy is going to win, but uh, I think I'll go uh, Danilo Marquez to win this one. Uh, Kennedy did have a nice knockout of Carlos Ulberg and a win over Darko, Darko uh, Stosic. Uh, Ulberg sh- should have never been in the UFC. Stoch- Stoch- Darko Stosic, holy shit. Um, I think there was like two points deducted for fouls. So I actually think Stosic was winning that fight, but he just got so fucking heavily docked. I think for nut shots that uh, he lost. And then he got choked out by Paul Craig. So... I'll go Danilo Marquez uh, to win this one. I don't really care how because it's not on the uh, it's not on the main card. All right, moving on here uh, officially to the uh, the main card opener again: Hanato Moicano and Jai Herbert. Uh, looking at the odds here, Moicano is going to be the minus two thirty favorite. Um, Herbert had a lot of hype coming into the UFC. Now. Uh, his circumstances are a little interesting because he made his debut against Francisco Trinaldo. Now, he got knocked out in that fight in the third round. Um, really, he got knocked out twice. Now, that was the fight that essentially cost Dan Hardy his job, or at least put him in very bad graces, because that was the fight where Herbert got knocked down to the ground, essentially knocked out. You could have called the fight off at that point, and Herb Dean just let the fight continue to go and uh, Herbert to take more damage which uh, greatly, greatly enraged Dan Hardy. So, um, not not a great start to his uh, UFC career, and uh, certainly a very controversial one through absolutely no fault of his own, uh, you know, just through, uh, you know, circumstances. Uh, he's got a really tough test here against Tanato Moicano. Um, th- uh, this guy was supposed to be the next fucking bigwig, the next big shot uh, in, in the featherweight division. Uh, did not turn out well for him. Moved up to, uh, to to lightweight and you know had initial success uh, against Amir Hadzovic, and then uh, got caught with uh, a brutal, brutal left hook from Rafael Fiziev. Uh, just highlight reel uh, knockout. Now Moicano's not a striker. He's not a striker. I think he, I think he can strike, but he, he's definitely uh, a BJJ ground uh, type of guy. And Herbert is. Um, he is, he is a knockout uh, fighter. Uh, so, stylistically, I think it's a bad fight for both of them. I think it's a, stylistically, it's bad for Moicano and it's bad for, for Herbert. So, you know, I guess that's going to make it uh, uh, pretty fun. I, I think Moicano is probably a little more uh, talented and he does have some nice, he does have some nice wins. Like, he has a nice win over Calvin Cater, uh, beat him essentially with leg kicks. Calvin Cater did not check a single leg kick that entire fight. You know, as a win over Cub Swanson, uh, Jeremy Stevens, and, you know, his losses are to real good fighters. Um, it's just tough because I don't, you know, it's it's the unknown of, of Jai Herbert. 
Uh, but that being said, I am going to go Moicano, and I'll probably go Submission, just because, uh, you know, I don't really know the credentials of Jai Herbert on the ground, but I know that uh, Moicano is uh, very dangerous, very dangerous on the ground. So, you know, wouldn't shock me if Jai Herbert won uh, via knockout, but uh, I'm going to pick Moicano to win this one by uh, probably by round two submission. All right, moving on here. Uh, still on the uh, the main card. Uh, we're up a division though in the uh, in the welterweight division. Uh, we'll have a fight here between Nicholas Dalby and Tim Means, the Dirty Bird. Tim Means. Uh, obviously, uh, the mailman knows a lot about uh, you know Dirty Bird Radio and and things like that. You know, a lot of River Falls related stuff, but. Uh, yeah, Dalby's 19-3-1, Tim Means 31-12-1. Take a look at the uh, the odds here. Tim Means is going to be a very slight minus 120 favorite. Um, again, th- see, this is a very interesting card for the, the opening round of the Bows Cup playoffs because there's not a lot of heavy favorites on this card, honestly. The, the, the matchups are so good that, seriously, it could go either way. I mean, shit, try to build a case for Tim Means or try to build a case for Nicholas Dalby. Yeah, it's kind of fucking hard. It's kind of difficult. Um, Means Means is going to be three inches taller. The reach is is negligible. You know, it's a half-inch uh, reach advantage. Uh, Tim Means, more of a finisher. Dalby, more of a guy who goes to a decision. He is 36, so, you know, that's... A little bit up there in age. He's uh, undefeated since uh, 2018, where he lost to Carlo Pettersoli, former uh, UFC competitor. Uh, he came back to the UFC back in 2019, had a win over uh, Alex Oliveira, uh, had a loss turned to a no contest uh, from Jesse Ronson, and then a win over Daniel Rodriguez, which he did not win. He lost that fight. So, deal with that however you want to deal with that but Nicholas Dalby did not win uh, that fight against Daniel Rodriguez that was a complete robbery in fact I'm going to pull up MMA decisions again I'm going to pull it up again because uh, I, I want to see what uh, what the esteemed members of the uh, MMA media had to say uh, about that fight because there's no way in hell he, uh, he beat Daniel Rodriguez which is a shame because I think if Daniel Rodriguez won, he would have been uh, a little up there in the rankings. Now they're split right. They're split right down the middle, 50-50. Dalby and Rodriguez, but that's you know, there's no accounting for bad taste. Uh, that being said, Tim Means uh, is on a two-fight winning streak that actually is legitimate. So you know, he had a win over Loriano Staropoli and uh, Mike Rod or Mike Rodriguez, Mike Perry. He lost to Daniel Rodriguez uh, back in February of 2020, but you know that's such a long time ago. That's bef- that's pre-pandemic. So Tim Means is undefeated in a pandemic, and you know Nicholas Dalby can't say the same. So you know I'm gonna go with Tim Means. I mean, obviously both of these guys are crafty veterans. You know they're up there in age, they're up there in experience. Uh, you know all that good stuff. Tim Means, solid boxer. Solid boxer, really doesn't get hit with a lot of uh, significant strikes. Dalby is basically a one-for-one type of guy statistically. Dalby would probably have the advantage on the ground. Tim Means, uh, pretty solid takedown defense uh, at 63%. So, you know, I don't don't know if Tim Means goes for uh, a takedown. I think he probably would be content just striking, and I think he would have the advantage over Dalby. So uh, we'll go Tim Means by, uh, by UD, unanimous decision. All right, moving on here. Uh, down in the featherweight division, we'll have a fight here between Andre Touchy Feely and Daniel Pineda. Feely is 21 and 8, Pineda 27 and 14. We'll take a look at the odds here, and they will have uh, Andre Feely as the minus 230 favorite. Uh, I could see why they put this one on the main card. I could see why they put this one on the main card. This is going to be a war. This is going to be an absolute banger here uh, between these the, these two fighters. Uh, they're both uh, very tough, gritty, you know, slug them out type of fighters. Obviously, Feely has more of a resume in the UFC, uh, but you know, the exper- overall experience advantage goes to Daniel Pineda. But 
for my money, the experience that matters, the UFC experience, certainly on the side of Andre Feely. Uh, Feely is on the wrong side of 30. But, you know, he's been in the UFC for uh, quite some time, kind of flip-flops, uh, wins and losses, coming off of a loss against Bryce Mitchell. He ain't fighting Bryce Mitchell here, I'll tell you that much. He's not He's not fighting a guy who's going to take you down and put you in a fucking twister. He's fighting Daniel Pineda, who's you know, certainly a striker. So, um, stylistically, I think uh, it's it's a great matchup for both of these guys. But I think uh, I think Andre Feely is the uh, uh, the, the the better uh, fighter, better striker. Uh, not exactly a powerful guy. Not really a guy who's going to finish uh, a lot of fights. You know, he's finished Shaman Marais. He's finished uh, Gabriel Benitez. But he's not a he's not exactly a finisher. So I think Andre Feely probably wins uh, by unanimous decision. Or fuck it. You know, I'll even predict split decision because I think it's going to be a close fight and there's going to be a lot of punches thrown in this one. So I'm totally cool on the record with it being a a split decision. Uh, Daniel Pineda coming off of a loss against Cub Swanson, uh, won his debut against Herbert Burns, uh, knocked him out with elbows from the crucifix, which you don't exactly see uh, every day. Uh, I think if a, fin- if a finish does happen, it's going to come from Feely, but I, I think that they're, uh, uh, you know, the-, the numbers would say that Pineda picks his shots a little more wisely than Feely, but if you're fighting Feely, it's just going to be a war. It's going to be a war. Unless you can take him down, it's going to be a war. So I don't know about the ground credentials of Pineda, but uh, again, Feely, you know, credit to Feely because he knows he's a striker. He's got to work on his takedown defense. It's at almost 70%, so he's, you know, it's not a given that you take Andre Feely down. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go Andre Feely and fuck it. I mean, split decision. Split decision. All right, moving on here to the featured bout uh, on the main card. It's going to be in the unbelievably stacked bantamweight division. I, I cannot believe how stacked this division is. Between Howney Barcelos and Lucky Timor Valiev. Uh, Barcelos is going to be 16 and 1. Valiev 17 and 2. Very good records here. Very good records as I take a coffee break here. Um, shorter, shorter. Actually, you know, fuck it. Average, average size bantamweights. Uh, five foot seven, five foot six, uh, respectively. The reach. Uh, is going to be the same. We'll take a look at the odds. Barcelos is going to be the minus 200 favorite. Probably would agree with that. I probably would agree with that. Um, but these are, again, the bantamweight division is so stacked that these are guys who are not even ranked. I don't have either of these guys ranked. I might have had Barcelos ranked at one point, um, but he hasn't been insanely active, which is honestly the the benchmark to, to be in the rankings at bantamweight. Just, you know, Bantamweight should, and maybe I'll do it just for S's and G's. Um, I should rank Bantamweight 1 through 25. I really think you could do that. Bantamweight is it's fucking insane who's not ranked. And this guy is on a... Holy smokes. Uh believe that's a 9-fight winning streak. 9-fight winning streak for Hani Barcelos. Has not lost since April of 2014 to uh, a gentleman named Mark Dickman. So, yeah, that's an interesting name. Um, again, whenever you see crazy winning streaks like this, but you've never really heard of the guy, um, Barcelos has not beaten, you know, a who's who. You know what I mean? He's beaten some nice some nice fighters. You know, Chris Gutierrez, good leg kick guy. Uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov, obviously, you know, famous last name, uh, Dan Moret, who nobody's ever heard of, but he's from Mankato, Minnesota, so I just mentioned that, and Khalid Taha, who, you know, interesting prospect to look out for, but not a blue-chip prospect at bantamweight. So this is probably his toughest fight. Again, a lot of people probably don't know who Timur uh, Valiev is, because again, uh, I think he might have even had some fights up at featherweight, just because of the pandemic. People don't want to cut cut the weight. Um but, uh, yeah, uh, Valiev, uh coming off of a win against Martin Day. Now, he got knocked out uh, from Trevin Jones, but that uh, was a no contest because Trevin Jones likes the ganja. Uh, so, you know, really, he has a loss to uh, Chris Gutierrez 
and uh, a loss in his uh, MMA debut back in uh, 2010 at World Ultimate Full Contact, whatever the fuck that means. Um, I'm going to go Barcelos. I'm going to go Barcelos. I think Valiev might be the bigger uh, fighter uh, when they get in there, but... You know, Barcelos has been doing this for a long time. He's beaten guys like Valiev, uh, you know, on this current nine-fight winning streak that he's on. Now, I don't know if a win over Valiev is enough to get him into the rankings. Uh, because, you know, rankings is not... Rankings is what have you done for me lately. And by lately, I mean the last two or three years. Uh, probably two and a half years. It's not uh, what have you done for your entire career. Otherwise fucking Dominic Cruz to be ranked number one. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he might be, you know, he might win and be on a 10-fight winning streak, but I don't think that's enough. You gotta beat somebody in the rankings to get into the rankings most of the time. So, I think he's on the doorstep. You know, this this is, this would be a nice win if he could get the, the nod over Valiev, but uh, I, I'd really like to see a, a bigger step up in competition, and that might be infamous last words, because if he loses to Valiev, then, uh, it's all for naught, but, you know, Barcelos is 34. He's at the tail end of his prime, so we kind of got to shit or get off the pot here uh, with uh, Barcelos and matchmaking, and, you know, it, it's partly on him. You know, you got to stay active and stuff like that. Um, all the numbers, all the numbers would su- uh, support Barcelos. Um, pretty good significant strike defense at uh, 64%. He's more of a give one and take one type of guy, uh, you know, just numerically, but uh, uh, he's, he's got imp- impressive uh, stats on the ground. 2.31 takedowns uh, per 15 minutes, 58% takedown accuracy, 83% takedown defense, so he's just a very well-rounded fighter. I think no matter how he wants to get it done, he's going to beat Valiev. I think if he wants to strike with him, and Valiev was a pretty good striker against Trevin Jones, but obviously he got caught, so... Uh, you know, maybe Barcelos wants to take it to the ground, but I, I think he wins however he wants to win uh, against Valiev. All right, moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. It's going to be in the heavyweight division between Ovince, St. Prue, and Tanner Bozier. St. Prue is 25-15. and 15. Bozier is 19-8-1. and one. We'll take a look at the odds uh, Bozier is going to be the minus 185 favorite. Uh, interesting matchup here. Uh, I'm going to start out by saying I'm going with uh, Tanner Bozier. I think that's how I want to approach this, uh, uh, this fight here. So I'm going to go with Tanner Bozier. There are weight classes for a reason. I do not think OSP uh, is a heavyweight. I don't really like when he fights at heavyweight. Um, he's he's a light heavyweight, and uh, even at light heavyweight, the success that he's had over the last couple of years, there was a time where OSP had a lot of great wins, but, you know, even at light heavyweight, eh, you know what I mean? It's it's kind of whatever. I don't think going up to heavyweight is the answer for, for OSP. He got knocked out in his last fight against Jamal Hill. Uh, he beat Alonzo Menafield, so he, you know, again, I, I always say OSP is a great litmus test, you know. If you want to figure out if a prospect is is the real deal or not have them fight osp because either they're the real deal and they'll get past them or they're or you know they're not worthy and they won't beat osp uh he, he's gonna be taller and he's gonna have a reach advantage but he will not be bigger he will not be bigger uh bozer comes in around 255 i would probably guess osp is going to come in around 230 235 at the most i couldn't picture osp coming in at 240 um, so there will be a size uh, advantage here. And Bozer's actually a pretty quick heavyweight. So, again, the, the speed advantage I would give I would give to OSP, but I think the gap is probably uh, a lot closer than people would think because Bozer is uh, a pretty spry... He's a spry guy for, you know, being, you know, 11 pounds under the limit. Uh, Bozer's clearly going to have a power advantage here, although... Anybody who fights OSP is going to have to watch out for two things. They're going to have to watch out for the uh, the the Von Prue choke, and they're going to have to watch out for any strike coming from the left side of OSP. Does not matter, left hook, fucking left straight, any type of left punch or left head kick. You know, gotta watch out for the the left side of OSP. That has put a lot of people to sleep. 
I mean, ask, ask fucking Corey Anderson if you should look out for the left head kick. Um, but again, that being said, I think the time is now. The time is now for, for Tanner Bozier. You know, I think OSP, you know, he's getting up there. He's getting up there. He's 38 years old. He's not exactly the guy he used to be when he was fighting for the uh, interim belt against uh, Johnny Bones Jones. And, uh, you know, for Bozier, you know, two-fight losing streak, I, I don't know. Did he really lose to Andre Arlovsky? Did he really lose to Ilir Latifi? You know, I don't know. I, I'm going to defer back to uh, MMA decisions because I, I want to get down to the bottom uh, of this because, you know, I'm not going to die on either hill that, uh, you know, oh, he won that fight or he lost that fight. I just know that they were close. I just know that they were close. So let's take a look at the Latifi one here. Uh, and Latifi, by the way, beat Derek Lewis. Okay, so most people picked uh, Latifi for that one. That's fine. I think the Arlovsky one might have been a little uh, a little out there. Yeah, it's kind of split down the middle there. More people leaning towards Arlovsky, so okay. But, uh, you know, either way... You know, those are uh, those are true heavyweights. Those are true heavyweights. And I know Latifi for a long time was a light heavyweight. Uh, he's fucking put on a lot of weight, so he's a true heavyweight. But, you know, this guy can finish a fight at, at any time. You know, you go back to what he does best, uh, you know, back when he was uh, winning. I mean, you know, the, the knockout of Felipe Linz was fucking brutal. The knockout of Pessoa was brutal. And, you know, you couple that with OSP's last performance, which was a knockout loss. You know, you hate to overreact, you know, a little, a little too much, but... You know, he kind of put two and two together. I mean, it's it's right there for uh, for the taking. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bozer wins by knockout. I'm gonna go round two knockout. You know, he's a powerful guy. He's got quick hands, and uh, you know, he's, he's just a bigger guy. He's the bigger guy, and uh, more so in his in his prime. You know, even though he's on a two fight losing streak. You know, 29 years old, OSP 38. I don't know. I don't know. I would like I, I would like OSP a little more if he committed. To heavyweight, I don't. I don't like the going back and forth, because there's a big difference between going back and forth. You know, if he just completely bulked up and stayed bulked up or, or whatever, you know, I'd I'd be cool with that. But I I don't like division hopping. Division hopping doesn't make any sense. That's typically a sign that the, you know, you you spin a top and then the top starts wobbling towards the end. You know, at the, that's kind of the end. You know, when you start division hopping, you know. All right, moving on here now to the main event of the evening. It's going to be in the heavyweight division between Cyril Gaon and Alexander Volkov. Gaon is 8-0, Volkov is 33-8. Take a look at the odds, and Gaon will be the slight favorite here, minus 150. Uh, We'll also take a look at the uh, heavyweight rankings, courtesy of North Star Sports. Cyril Gaon at four, Volkov at five. Um, I think this is going to be the best. This is the best of what the heavyweight division has to offer. These are two very technical strikers, not just fat guys who swing hoping they connect. How many, how many times? And I'm gonna I say this every single show, but it's so true. But, like, how many fucking pay-per-views do we see where the UFC just puts some fat, unranked heavyweight on the main card just because, oh, we got to have a heavyweight fight. People love watching the heavyweights. No, they fucking don't. If you love watching heavyweight MMA, you're a dunderhead, in my opinion. Like, oh, man, I can't wait to watch fucking... I can't wait to watch Justin Taffa fight. Really? Can't wait to watch him fight Justin... Justin Taffa, Juan Adams, fucking all these guys. It's like they are uh, heavyweights because they don't like to take care of their bodies. Uh, They're uh, uh, obese, and they have no other skill other than power, which every heavyweight has. So it's not even really, you don't even really have the, the, you're not even that special. You're not even that special by having power. Anybody who's a heavyweight has power. Cyril Ghosn has power. Volkov has power. Anybody who's fucking 206 pounds or heavier has power. So, wow, a heavyweight with power? Holy shit, let me let me f- fucking stop the presses. A heavyweight with power who's, you know, 5 foot 11, 280 pounds, you know, who's just, you know, got a spare tire on their stomach, who has no cardio, who's just going to f- 
fucking throw winging hooks until another fat man goes down. Like, I'm not impressed by that. I am impressed by Gon and Volkov because they are two guys who take care of their bodies. They're heavyweights because they're big. They're not heavyweights because they're fat. And they're probably the two best strikers in the division. It's going to be a very technical fight. It is not going to be sloppy at all. It's going to be the most neat fight you're going to ever see in the heavyweight division. Um, Cyril Gaon has probably the best defense I've ever seen from a heavyweight. Some of the best defense I've ever seen. Now, people shit on him. Dummies. Fucking dummies who love fat guys. Go down to your local bar and, and watch stuff like that. I, we don't need that in the UFC. You know, people who are like, oh, his fight against Jairzinho was boring. Oh, you mean the dominant 50-45 decision where he never got touched with a single punch was boring? Yeah, is it the most exciting style? I guess not. I guess not. It's the best style. It's the style that's going to win you the most amount of fights. If you're Cyril Gaon, and it doesn't apply here because Volkov is very technical, but if you're Cyril Gaon and you're fighting anybody else in the heavyweight division who's just a fat guy with no cardio who just wants to land that lucky punch, and you have elite defense like Cyril Gaon does, you're going to win every single fucking time because they're going to be swinging for a lucky punch and they're not going to land it and you're going to win. Like, that's just how it works. That's kind of what happened against Jairzinho. Jairzinho was not very active. Uh, he was just looking for a big punch, and he f- lost dominantly. He lost every single round. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're going to hate Cyril Gaon, but I'll tell you what, Cyril Gaon's going to be the fucking champion one day, and, you know, you can you can boo this. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it, it's whatever. But, you know, Cyril Gaon, his defense is fucking amazing. He lands five significant strikes per minute. So people who say he's not active lands five significant strikes per minute. That's more than Andre Feely. So to say that Cyril Gaon is boring and defensive, no, he just doesn't get hit. He hits and doesn't get hit. That's the name of the fucking game. He lands. It'd be one thing if Cyril Gaon landed 1.9 significant strikes per minute and, you know, absorbed 1.1 like then I'd be like okay yeah he really is just you know stalling but he lands five like that's pretty high so you know lands five only gets hit with 1.85 per minute fucking stellar uh his significant strike defense is 69 percent I've honestly never seen a higher significant strike defense I mean you're not gonna hit this guy with a lucky punch uh, his grappling's pretty good. He's got 100% takedown defense. Uh, you know, I think he probably would have the advantage on the ground against Volkov just because, you know, we've seen Volkov when he loses fights. You know, it's either by getting knocked out, like, you know, against Derek Lewis, or uh, as I punch my fucking mic, um, or it's either him getting taken down and, you know, he's kind of held held down there, like uh, against uh, Curtis Blades. Uh, that being said, I don't I don't know if Gon goes for a takedown. I think he probably could beat him striking. Volkov is going to be the taller fighter. Uh, he is going to have... Uh, uh, actually, he's not going to have the reach advantage. So Cyril Gon actually has the reach advantage, which is the most important thing. Height really doesn't matter that much. Uh, but for what it's worth, you know, Volkov will have the height. Uh, Volkov does have crazy long legs. So he is actually going to have a five and a half leg reach uh, advantage. So, you know, the leg kicks is something to watch. Volkov's hand speed... Um, it looks slow. His striking speed looks slow, but I think it just might be because he's so big. I think he might actually have deceptive speed. But that, that being said, I wouldn't say he's a fucking Davis and Figueredo. Um, he does land 6.19 significant strikes per minute, but uh, and his defense is pretty good at 3.3, but you know the ratio is obviously better for uh, Cyril Gaon. 58% significant strike defense for Volkov. So... I could see this one going to a decision, but that being said, you know, for people who say Cyril Gaon's boring, he knocked out JDS, so Cyril Gaon does have the ability to finish fights. Um, I think he'll take his time. There's no reason to rush. He got 25 minutes. If I have to say right now, I say Cyril Gaon by decision. Um, if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to envision a scenario where Volkov wins, which is is it is possible it's heavyweight MMA it's probably by a finish I'd be I'd be pretty surprised I'd be actually very surprised if Volkov won by decision if he just outstruck Cyril Gaon and outlanded Cyril Gaon for 25 minutes I would be I'd be pretty surprised to be honest so 
you know, I think Cyril Gahn takes his time. People will boo because they're fucking idiots. And, you know, Cyril Gahn might get a, he might get a title shot after this one. I mean, you know, you beat Volkov, you're already at number four. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I guess John Jones is out there. I guess they're trying to work on, uh, you know, Derek Lewis. But, you know, you look at the rankings. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he fights Curtis Blades. Maybe he fights Stipe. I, you know, I don't like. I don't really know what's next for him other than a title shot. He might have to wait, you know, a little bit, and you know that's fine. Tone up your, you know, tune up your your skills and and whatnot. But you know that's this is somebody to watch out for. This is a, a guy who I predicted. I think I predicted after his Dante Mays fight that this guy would be champion. I've been on the bandwagon for uh, a handful of years. I think this guy's the real deal. I think he will be heavyweight champion of the world uh, at some point. Uh, you know, I can't put a, a timetable on it because we don't know how active uh, Nganu's going to be or who he's going to fight. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine he'll be pretty active, but I guess it's more so we don't know who he's going to fight, uh, you know. But uh, I, I think at some point he'll be champ and, you know, goes without saying, I think he'll win this one, and again, uh, by unanimous decision. So with that, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. Be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.